Will you just close your eyes with me this morning and let's pray. And let's pray. And as you close your eyes, I want to ask you to do exactly what Ethan said, and that is to relinquish the need to know everything this morning ahead of time. And just allow this morning the Holy Spirit to speak to you exactly where you're at. Come to him in a state of faith, believing that he has something to give you this morning. Come to him in a state of trust, knowing that he knows exactly what you need. And Lord, we come to you this morning, we thank you for, you know, as they said in the announcements this day of just the preciousness of life. Thank you that you took the life that was the most precious and you sacrificed it for us. We give you glory today that as we read your word and as we seek you this morning, that we trust in faith that you will respond to us exactly where we're at, exactly with what we need and in the way we need to hear it. And we ask you, Lord, to give us ears to hear and to give us eyes to see and to give us a spirit that is willing to obey what you have set forth for us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning. I'm really excited to be here with you. Really excited to be here with you. This is going to be um, a beautiful service we're going to have. It's already been so wonderful. The testimonies that Andrew shared are just a few testimonies. But just I want to, I, I just want to say, think about that word testimony, first of all, right? It is the result of something you've already gone through and overcome. That's what gives you, <clears throat> excuse me, a testimony is the fact that you passed a test of some kind in your life. And then you got to the other side of that. And because you're on the other side of it, then when you have perspective and look back again, now you have a testimony, right? right? Nobody in the middle of the trial is like, man, what a great testimony I have. <laughs> it's, that's not the moment when you feel like the awesomeness of the testimony. In the middle of the problem, it's like, when will this ever end? And then some of us are like, man, I've, I have heard people say them before in the middle of something crazy, and they're like, at the end of this, it's going to be a great testimony. And I do love that attitude because they're already like with the perspective of I am going to come to the end of this, like this has to end at some point, and then I'm going to look back on it. And that just shows that they've been through things before already, right? Because once you go through something, you go through it, you know you, it's like the first time you drive somewhere and it feels like it takes forever to get there, right? This is a simple example. But the first time you go somewhere and you're driving, you're like, this is forever and ever. And someone's like, that was only 30 minutes. And you're like, I do 30 minutes to go to the grocery store and I don't even think about it. But that trip seemed like forever because it was your first time. But the more you do it, you don't even think about it. When you go through trials and crazy things in life and something happens and you get through it and go to the other side, then you're like, okay, the next time something comes, you're stronger again for the next thing, right? But God is always, always, always working. God is not lazy ever. It is actually impossible for God to be lazy on your account. He does not have a list that is too long that he's never going to get to. I don't know if you're a list maker or not, and you like to like mark off the things you've done, and it makes you feel some kind of sense of satisfaction, or if you like add it to the list even after you did it so you can still cross it off and feel, I'm talking to somebody because there are people in this room, and you're like, I already did that, but I would put it on the list anyway because then I can see all the things I did. Look at all that. There's a lot of people nodding their heads. This is from the Holy Spirit. No, I'm kidding. That it's just the truth. And so, you know, we, we go through, we like to see what we've done, and we like to see what happened, but God doesn't have a list that he never gets to the end of. You're on his list continually. Hebrews 7.25 says that Jesus is standing at the right hand of God the Father, and he is always making intercession for you. That means 24 hours a day, Jesus is praying for you. 24 hours a day for your entire life, Jesus is standing at the right hand of God the Father, and he is praying for you and making intercession for you. And then the Holy Spirit is making intercession for you, praying on your behalf with groanings and utterings and and crying out to the Father for your life all the time. Every time you have heard that you are alone, it was a lie. It was a lie. Every time you have felt that you are going through something alone, that is a lie. 
We do not live just looking at the natural. We cannot live with a perspective that is so limited of what we can see and touch and feel and taste and hear. That is a very limited perspective on life. And God is always trying to reveal to us the unexpected. He's trying to reveal to you and I the real purpose in in and for our life and how to get there, how to access, like Ethan said, the perfection that's available without striving for it. How to access the goodness of God, how to access the grace of God, how to access a good marriage, how to access a wonderful relationship with your children, how to access a good job, how to access real faith, how to access miracles when you're just a regular guy going to work every day. But yet when you read the Bible, you go, well, actually, all of the disciples were really just regular guys. All of those women, the women that God chose to actually see him first when he rose from the dead, they were real sinners. They were like notorious sinners that were famous for being failures. And they were the closest ones to Jesus. What is that? What is that? What qualified them for that? And that is the sermon. And the sermon is called Dirt and Time. Dirt and Time. These are things that everybody has access to. Dirt is up. It's right there. We are surrounded by it. Dirt is very simple. No one pays. Well, I guess you do pay for dirt. You can pay for like certain kinds of dirt, right? There's still qualities of dirt. (laughs) There's like the dirt that you just get on your shoes and you like, you know, beat it at the front door and you don't think about that. And then there's like high quality, high end dirt that you want to like, you know, sow your vegetables in or something. You know, there's all these. But the point is that there's a lot of dirt in the world. You know, there's no campaign to like save the dirt, you know, like save the whale, save the dirt. Nobody's worried about losing out on dirt. It's just around us all the time, everywhere. In time, no matter how famous you are or how unknown you are, everybody gets 24 hours a day. You have 24 hours a day. You can't stretch it out any longer. And no matter how much you don't want 24 hours sometimes when you're in a bad place in life, you still have to live those 24 hours. It's time and dirt, dirt and time. And I want you to open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 2 if you would. Because first we're going to talk about dirt, second we're going to talk about time, and I believe God's going to show you something about your life this morning. And Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, Then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath or the spirit of life, and man became a living being. How incredible. Your start and my start was dirt. The most basic, the most simple thing, dirt. So at the end of the day, we're all just dirt with a touch of the supernatural. We were made of the simplest material. That which is thrown away all the time. That which is gotten rid of without even thinking about it. That which is moved from one place to another to fill one hole or to fill one spot or to do one thing or another. And yet God took the simplest ingredient. And I want you to notice that he didn't form us from gold or precious metal or some kind of, he could have used anything he wanted. Have you ever really thought about that? He could have taken bones, like, and he could have taken jewels. He could have taken the water from the streams in the Garden of Eden. He could have done whatever he wanted. And he chose dirt and he chose it for a reason. And then he took that dirt and then he breathed on it the supernatural. He took the simplest element that we would always have with us and he breathed something supernatural on it. And the minute that he did that, we became a living being, a living being with a purpose all of a sudden. And he used dirt to do that. And I want to read this to you, Psalm 8. Three through nine says, when I, I'm not going to read all of them, I'm just going to start. And I got, I'm going to read fast when I read so that we can, you know, hmm, get it all in there. Psalm eight, verse three says, when I view and consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, the stars, everything you've ordained and established, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care about him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. We really aren't that awesome in ourselves. We really are very, very simple. Humanity is actually very simple. 
everybody wants to eat and everybody wants to sleep and everybody wants to be happy. We really aren't that complicated. All of the rest boils down into the most simplest of things because we're actually made out of dirt. Just going to say that a few times so you can remember that no matter how much money you have or don't have, no matter how much fame you have or don't have, no matter how many accomplishments you have or don't have, you're made of the same thing as the person sitting next to you. And God chose to breathe on one and breathe on the other, the breath of life. The breath of supernatural, Holy Ghost-filled, amazing, miracle life on your dirt. That's what he chose. And when, I, when you view the heavens and you see the amazing things and you start like looking at all the incredible things, this is what David is saying. I'm looking at all of this and I'm saying, why do you even think about me? I am dust and breath. Why are you considering me all the time? Why do you take so much time on me when I just constantly disobey? Why do you constantly reach out for me and call my name and call me home? Why are you constantly searching for me when I'm just dust? Why did you choose me? And, you know, God knows your name, and he sees the circumstances you're in, and he's not waiting for your perfection. And Ethan didn't even know I was going to talk about this. Like he said, I said it. In the worship time, I think you should say something. But God isn't waiting for your perfection. God isn't waiting for you to get everything all together before he can do a miracle with your life and before he can transform your family into something that you could never have imagined. I have a plaque that says, I, I okay, let me put it right there. I can't think of the exact words. Okay, I still remember when I was praying for the things that I have now. How many of you can say that about something in your life? I still remember when I was praying for the things that I have now. Everybody, if you've walked with God any amount of time, you can still remember when you were praying for things that you have now. And do you know what the Lord is waiting for in our lives? To make that miracle happen, to do that incredible thing in our lives, to overcome that obstacle that you're facing. He's waiting for dirt. Your dirt, your dirt, the things in your life that you don't want anybody to see, the things in your life that you're not proud of. That dirt is the key ingredient to make a miracle happen. And I remember one day when the Holy Spirit was speaking to me and he was just like, you're trying to give me it all already fixed. And that's going to really exhaust you. And I was like, because I was like, well, I'm trying this, and I'm fighting for that, and I'm standing on your word here, and I just want to see that happen, and I just want to see your kingdom. And he was like, but what am I supposed to do? And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm doing all this in your name and with your power and because you said to do it, and, you know. And he was like, I just want the dirt. And I was like, the dirt. And he's like, remember, you're just made of dirt. And he started to challenge me and just say that basically every area of our life that we surrender to him and that we give him, that is the most simple thing, and that which we're least proud of is exactly the ingredient he needs to make a miracle. So I'm talking about the attitudes, the attitudes that aren't pleasing to him, the words that you speak that don't bring him glory, the doubts that you have that are constantly separating you from him, the hurt and the pain of the past, which makes you close yourself off to him. The fears that cause you to worry, that cause you to close the doors to his voice. I'm talking about the bad habits that keep you a slave to your flesh. The dirt. All of us have dirt to offer to him. But yet that dirt is the key ingredient for God to make a miracle with. It's the first thing he used in creating you, and it will be what he uses until the end. Until the end. Because dirt is the key ingredient to making a miracle. I was recently preaching just a few weeks ago. You know what? I'm not going to tell you that story yet. We're going to read John 9. Will you go to John chapter 9 first in your Bible? This is a beautiful miracle story, a beautiful miracle testimony. And... We see, let me get there. We see in John chapter 9, <clears throat> Jesus is, I'm going to start in verse 1, but we're going to go fast. Jesus, Jesus notices a blind man 
That's blind from his birth. So he didn't go blind by some kind of other cause. He was born blind, right? So he's blind. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, that this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? This must have been the fault of somebody, right? That's what they're saying. Nothing bad like this just happens. Like this has to be somebody's fault. And Jesus says, it was not this man or his parents that sinned, but he was born blind in order that the workings of God should be manifested, displayed, and illustrated in him. Okay? This thing has happened in his life, this thing that just happens in life. This thing that doesn't make any sense to you, that isn't anybody's fault, that just happened. But yet it happened in order that the glory of God would be manifest through this simple, uh, useless thing that apparently has happened. And he took this man and he says, okay, verse 4, but we must work the works of him who sent me. I must work those works and be busy with his business while it is daylight because the night is coming when no one will be able to work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he said this, he spat on the ground in the dirt with his saliva, and he mixed it and spread it as ointment on the man's eyes. Again, he didn't go run to the temple and get the holy water. He didn't ask the, the priest to use the special, already blessed, anointed, carved out, special. He reached down and he grabbed dirt. And he added a supernatural element, which is Jesus, all the time in our lives at work in the dirt of our lives. He added that element to the dirt, and he mixed it up as mud, and he smeared it on the man's eyes. And then he told the man to go and to wash his eyes out. And he went, and he washed, and he came back seeing. And it says in verse 8 that all the neighbors then looking at him, saying, is this the beggar? Was this the guy that's always been sitting there and begging? And verse 9, they said, no, he can't be that guy, but it sure looks a lot like him. And he was saying, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. That same guy. And they're like, well, what happened to you? And he said, this guy, Jesus, spat in the dirt, and he rubbed the dirt on my eyes, and now I can see. And they're, But that's too simple. I don't... I don't what special thing did he do? Was there like a big ceremony? Was there a special song that played? Was there a special speaker in town? Did you like fast for 10 days beforehand? Did you read the Bible all the way through this year? Because if you read the Bible all the way through, then yes, a miracle could really happen. Did you actually get, they were, they were like, but that's too simple. He spat in the dirt and then he smeared mud on your eyes and you're healed. But wait, we already had our minds made up about you beforehand. You were the blind beggar who sat by the, the road, and you or your parents sinned, and this is all your fault, and that's why nothing works in your life, and you're nobody. Why did he even choose you? Why did he ask for you? Why did he call you? You are nobody. And the man's just like, no, no, I, I am. I, I am that same person, but now I've been touched by Jesus. And now he took dirt and spit. What ingredients? What amazing ingredients. Again, there's nothing technically of value in dirt and spit. You always will have a lot of spit. And there's a lot of dirt, and no one's trying to save the dirt on the planet. It's, there's always dirt and spit, and he used those two simple things, and, he made, and a miracle came to pass. And the man at the end of it, it's a miracle that shocked all his friends and family. And that is what God wants to do with the dirt of you and I's life with the things that we are the least proud of, with the things that take us the longest to overcome, and the things that make us feel the weakest in our life. God is saying, if you give me that dirt, I will add the supernatural element to it, and your life will shine so brightly, and the change will be so real and so miraculous that everybody in your life will see it, and they will say, you were just dirt. You were a nobody. How can you be doing this? How can this be happening with your life? That's impossible. You didn't grow up with great parents. You didn't get a great education. You didn't go to that school or this place or have that opportunity. How is it that this is happening with you? And you're going to stand there like he said, I, 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 it, it was dirt. I just gave Jesus all my dirt. How cool would that actually be? I just gave Jesus all my dirt, and I just let him do what he does best. 
I was just preaching a few weeks ago, and this lady, and I was doing an example with some of the people in the service, and I literally just randomly picked. I didn't know any of the people. They were, this is a multi-thousand member church. I literally just went like this. I said, you and you and you and you and you. And I pulled them up here, five people on the stage, and I was giving an example of the power of one person. And how God will use one person, but the giftings on one person's life are directly are directly meant to be used by the Holy Spirit to bless another person's life. That's why we're members of one body, with each with distinctive gifts and everyone with one, because God is not a respecter of persons. So each one of you has a specific gift God wants to use to benefit the body of Christ in the world. So I was like, this gift might benefit that gift, might benefit that gift. And, my, and I used an example, and I said, this woman, for example, let's just say that she has a gift of healing on her life. And this woman, let's just say that she has an injury. And the lady screamed. She goes, what? And I was like, I mean, these were random people on the stage. And I was like, what do you mean? And she pulls up her pants. She had these really long pants on that were touching the ground. And she pulled up her pants. She had a cast on and her leg had been broken. And she was like, I do need healing. I do need healing. And I'm like, in that, <laughs> I remember that moment. I was like, now what do I do? <laughs> this is like... <laughs> This is my example in the message. <laughs> Don't interrupt me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> she was like, I do need a healing. I do. And I was like, okay. And I said, we'll pray for that in just a minute. And then I said, and what if this lady who needs a healing has a word of knowledge for this one because she really needs an answer from God? And the lady starts bawling. I mean, instantly in the moment just starts weeping. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> this is not how I pictured this example going. And the lady's bawling and bawling. She's crying. And she's like, she says, you have no idea what I'm going through. And I have to tell you my story. And I'm like, okay, pause. Just one minute. We're going to get through the message. And then afterwards, maybe tell me what happened. And and it ended up being, it was just crazy. And at the end of the message, the one prayed for the other for the healing. And the other had a word of knowledge for the one that needed an answer. It was so beautiful. It was so incredible and a better example than I could have ever done. But they were sit- I had to preach six times that weekend, and at the end of it, this lady came up to me, and she, the one who needed the word from the Lord, and she had this little box in her hand. And she said, my husband just went to jail. He was falsely accused by people at work for something, and they blamed and pinned everything on him, and he just went to jail, and we're fighting the battle to get him out. But in the meantime, the social workers and everyone came, and they took all my children from me, and they put them in foster homes. I'm sleeping on the floor in a co-worker's house of my husband's who's trying to defend him and tell the truth about this case. I have nothing. I reached the lowest point in my life. I literally feel like God had abandoned me, that there was no hope for my life anymore, and I was about to take my life just yesterday. And she said, I decided one last-ditch effort to Google on the Internet if there were any churches nearby me, and I'd go to one service. And she said, and I went, and you were speaking, and you called me out of all those people and made me stand up there. And then that lady gave me a word, and she said, from that moment on, I promised God. I promised God that I would be in every service every time the doors were open, and every service was exactly the thing I needed to hear. And she said, I'm giving you this box, and she said, it's so simple. And literally, it was a little cardboard box, and all she did was write on the top of it, one soul at a time. And she said, never lose heart in what you're doing because it's worth one soul, if it's even just one soul, because mine was that soul. And I thought in the moment about the power of the fact that she just, in that moment, she gave to God all the dirt. And she was honest about her life and honest about where she was in her life. And God took that and made a miracle, literally, that weekend. And she is now living that every single day. She has a church family now. She's a huge part. She's a part of that church. She's not giving up. And guess what's going to happen with that dirt? And Jesus now. A miracle. She could have ended everything, but instead of ending her life, instead of quitting, she actually now has access to a perfect miracle and the answers to everything in her heart that God wanted to do. And that brings me to the second point, which is time. Have you ever felt like you are tired of waiting? You you know, you come to the place in life when you're just like, I have been standing or I have been believing God and I'm tired of waiting. 
I'm watching all these other people do whatever they want to do. And they seem to be doing just fine. Why am I even on this path? This is a lot of a, this is a lot harder of a path. There are like things that please God and don't please God. <laughs> there are like things I'm supposed to do and not supposed to do. There's a way that I should act and not act. I feel always like I'm not good enough or I'm not enough or like I'm failing always, all the time, somebody, somewhere. And I'm tired. I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of standing. I'm discouraged with the way that other people walk and talk and act and they just don't get it. Or if you have a member of your family and you know their name is instantly like right in your head, ping, difficult person, ting, and there's that name. Yes. And sometimes you're just like, I think that if they're going to be there, then I won't go. That kind of person. And you're just like, I have tried all the things you're supposed to try. I've done all the things you're supposed to do. This person is never changing. And so I've got to live with it. But living with it has now become, I've got to avoid it as much as possible. And when we have those times in our life when we wonder, we start to wonder if this is worth it. Is faith really actually worth it? Or is it something that's a bit old-fashioned? Standing and believing God for something, it's not a super popular thing anymore. It's more like pray on the side and then, you know, do everything possible within your power, but you're never actually going to be able to do things that other people do because you didn't have that same upbringing or growing up or whatever. You will always be limited by whatever you're limited by. You actually can't break the roof of that thing. And those kind of beliefs, when those things happen and the wondering and the questioning and that I just don't know if it's really worth it. I, I just want to be very honest and tell you that those times, all of us have those times. And Jesus knew that you would have those times. And he knew that you would doubt and that you would wonder and that you would question. And I was in one of those times that I was just like, wow, I just don't even know how I'm here in this moment right now. I don't see how I got here. I didn't see that thing coming. I am in shock, just a moment of shock. And I, I remember in that moment that God spoke to me such a sweet word. And it pushed me into a study in the Bible that is one of my favorite ones I've ever done. And he just said to me, time is a Christian's best friend. And I was like, okay, time is a Christian. Time is a Christian's best friend. What does that even mean? And he began to show me through the word, what the word says about time. And I'm going to read you some verses. First, I want to say Galatians 6, 9. If you do not have this verse memorized, I highly encourage you to memorize it or write it on something that you see often or put it as the screen of your phone or do something. But Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. Basically, if you decide to not be a quitter when you're doing the right thing, you will always reap a harvest. If you quit, what will happen? Every single person knows. If you quit, what happens? You quit. That's the end of it. If you don't quit, you don't know what can happen. You literally don't know what can happen. Oh my gosh, that makes me really excited. I get really excited about the unknown. I get really excited about not knowing and not being able to figure it all out. And just knowing that if I keep taking steps forward, I'm still taking steps forward. Even when they seem extremely slow. But a Christian, time is your best friend. It's your best friend. Do you remember when Jesus was in the wilderness and he fasted for 40 days and nights and it actually said that the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit, what an interesting concept, led him into the wilderness and into a place of nothingness. And in that place, he came to his physical selves, his limits, to be the least possible that he could be the, the least strength and the least ability and all. And that's when the enemy decided to come and tempt him, right? And I want to read this to you out of Matthew 4, but I'm going to read it in a sort of a story version really quickly. So Jesus, Jesus was taken into the wild by the Spirit for the test. 
The devil was ready to give him the test. Jesus prepared for the test by fasting 40 days and 40 nights. That left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger, which is when the devil took advantage of it in the first test. And he said, since you're God's son, speak the word that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. For the second test, the devil took him to the holy city and he sat him on the top of a temple and said, since you are God's son, jump. The devil goaded him by quoting Psalms 20, Psalm 91. He has placed you in the care of angels. They'll catch you so you won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. For the third test, the devil took him to the peak of a huge mountain and gestured expansively, pointing out all the earth's kingdoms, how glorious they all were. And he said to him, they will all be yours, lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knees and worship me, and they're yours. And Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. And Jesus countered with another citation from Deuteronomy, don't you dare test the Lord your God. And Jesus' refusal was curt. Beat it, Satan. Get out of my life. He backed his rebuke with a third quotation from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord with your, the Lord your God and him only. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. And then the test was over. The devil left, and in his place, angels came and took care of Jesus' needs. How beautiful is that? That the enemy came at the moment when Jesus was physically his weakest, and he tried every way that he could to try to seduce him to quit. Because if Jesus had quit, where would we be? Where would we be if Jesus had quit in one of the mandates that God had placed on his life? We would have no hope. We would be a people lost, wandering, destroying each other. There would be no end to the destruction until everyone was gone. And we just ruined everything in the end. But Jesus didn't quit. And that's what the enemy always will come and do. He'll say, look, you don't need to fast. That's old school Christianity. Look, your prayers haven't been answered. God doesn't really hear you. Look, you're not going anywhere in life. Stop going to church. You could use the extra sleep anyway. Look, Nothing's going to change. Just give up on this dream. Just quit. Just stop. Because if you stop, you'll be out of this misery. The misery will end. The hard thing will end. And this is what I want to say. And this is what I heard just so clearly from the Holy Spirit. If you, hmm, if you quit, you will never, ever see the glory of God in that situation. You'll never see it. You know, there's a, there's a phrase, and I know you know this phrase because you're from Texas, but cowboy up, right? Which means what? It, it's literally in the dictionary. Cowboy up is in the dictionary now, and I wrote it down in case that nobody knew. Making a determined effort to overcome a formidable obstacle. That's what it means to cowboy up. That's when you just say in the minute, you know, something happens and you just go, cowboy up. Just like get it done. You just stick with it until you get it done right? It's like if you've ever had to fix anything in your home that doesn't work, but it has to work, and so you just work at it until it works. What is that? Why is that easy to do with a dishwasher or with your car, and it's impossible to do with your soul? What is that? Why are we so quick to give up on ourselves when really time Time is your best friend as a Christian because if you don't actually give up, you will reap the harvest. You will see the miracle. And the word says, I'm going to read you three verses fast. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36. Therefore, don't fling away your fearless confidence, for it carries a great and glorious reward. For you have need of patience and endurance so that you can perform and fully accomplish the will of God and therefore receive and carry away what is promised. But the just shall live by faith in his relationship with God. And if he draws back or shrinks in fear, my soul has no delight or pleasure in him. Isaiah 40, 28, have you not known, have you not heard? The everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, does not faint or grow weary. There is no searching to his understanding. Verse 31, but those who wait on the Lord will change and renew their strength and power. They will lift up their wings and mount close to God. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Hebrews 12, 1 
two, three. Therefore, since you are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses who have gone before you and hold already a testimony in their hands, let us strip off and throw aside everything that weighs us down, everything that clings to and entangles us, and let us run with patience the steady, active persistence that is the course that is set before us, looking away from everything that distracts you and looking to Jesus, who was the initiator and the finisher of your faith, because he, for the joy that was set before him, endured everything, even the cross. And verse 4, you have not yet struggled and fought against sin in this way, nor have you yet resisted and withstood to the point of pouring out your own blood. Come on. (laughs) Time. Time is your best friend. If you have ever had somebody in your life that has walked away from the Lord and you have felt like they will never come back, and you have just watched them make one mistake after another, after another, after another, and it's caused you pain or hurt, and you've just watched this process happen and feel like it's getting worse and worse and worse, do you know what will happen if you just wait? Have you read the end of the book? We win. I want to say it one more time. We win. You actually win at the end. About three weeks ago, I had a call, and I am not going to cry. I had a call from one of our kids at Casa Angelina who left almost six years ago. And he left in a bad state. And actually, Miss Laura, may I ask you to play piano with your anointedness and wonderfulness and beauty, beauty, beauty? Um, He left in a very bad place, and he left in a state of... um, a lot of rebellion, and he went to go live with family members and who were gang members and a lot of other crazy things in life. And for these last five or six years, because we really love this kid a lot, as we do all the kids who live at Casa Angelina, and it's been pain, a lot of pain, and we keep hearing about what he's doing, and we keep hearing about his life, and I just keep reminded of this as God just keeps telling me, time is your best friend. Time is your best friend. Time is your best friend. If you give up, you know what will happen. Just wait, just wait, just wait. And three weeks ago, I got a call from him and he was bawling his eyes out and he was asking me to pray with him and receive Jesus and give his life back to God. I was not gonna cry, but they haven't fallen yet. And he was just crying and crying. And he said, Pastora, that's what they call me, Pastora. And he said, will you pray with me? He said, you're the only person I could think of who hasn't quit. And now I know a lot of people who haven't quit. You know people who haven't quit. But for him, I was the only person he knew who hadn't quit and given up yet on what God had told us to do. And in that moment, I got to lead him back to Jesus and talk with him about all the things that had happened in the past. And talk to him about what it means to actually give your life to Jesus isn't just saying, I want to feel better right now in this moment. It's saying, I want to feel better for the rest of my life. And that means I have to give you all the dirt and wait on your timing and watch the miracle happen. And when he came back to Jesus, it just, it changed my my perspective completely on time again. And I just thought, you know, you just can never go wrong waiting for the miracle and you can never go wrong giving God the areas of your life that you are the least proud of those are the exact things that he needs to make a miracle happen for you because when God takes that dirt in our lives and that thing that you're the least proud of he I promise you those things broken things in the hand of the master become whole again and it will shock your family, and it will shock your co-workers, and it will shock your friends. It will shock you, what God is able to do with you. And then just wait. Don't give up. Don't give up. Because as you wait, God is doing a miracle. Because He's not a lazy God. He is constantly working for you. And when somebody comes back into your life, if you've been waiting and they finally come around, don't say, I told you so. Say, I'm waiting too for something. And I wanna I wanna give you this example from Luke chapter 15. 
of the prodigal son. It's a story that everybody knows really well. If you've been a Christian for any amount of time, you know about the prodigal son from Luke chapter 15 and how the son left in rebellion and he left in sadness and he left in hurt and he hurt his father and he hurt his brother and he hurt his family and he left, right? He gave up and he quit and he went after what his flesh wanted him to do. And in that time, we actually don't have in the story at all how long he was away from the family. We don't know how long he was gone. But what we know is what happened when he came back. Who was waiting? The father was waiting. And it said actually that the father saw him a long way off. When he was still a long way off, which actually meant that the father was outside of the house waiting, looking for his son. And we knew that he was wealthy. So he it took him a while to spend his wealth. Then he worked for a while. Then he had to reach the end of his rope. He had to reach the very end of everything before he turned around and he came back home again in a place of humility, in a place of saying, I have failed in every way. Can I just at least serve in the house? Because I know there's one place I can go to where they haven't quit. And I've reached the end of everything and I'm coming back. But he didn't come back to a house that had forgotten him. He came back to a father who was waiting. And Jesus is waiting for us. He's waiting for you and for your children. And he's waiting for your marriages. And he's waiting for your mothers and your fathers. And he's waiting for you. He's waiting for all the dirt and for all the mistakes and for all the failures. And he has time. He has eternity in his hands. He knows that there's hope. He knows that there's a way out. He knows that there's something better for you on the other side of that surrender. There are so many famous people who have done amazing things in life, and I, I began to study people who did amazing things and their perspective on quitting. And I wrote down like four, just four quotes for you. Albert Einstein, life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. Isn't that awesome? Martin Luther King, if you can't fly, then run. If you can't run, then walk. If you can't walk, then crawl. But whatever you do, keep moving forward. Thomas Edison, our greatest weakness lies in giving up. The most certain way to succeed is to always keep trying one more time. Dale Carnegie, most of the... Most of the important things in the world have been accomplished by people who have kept trying when there seemed to be no hope at all. Babe Ruth, you can't just beat the person. You, can, you just can't beat the person who never gives up. C.S. Lewis, you're never too old to set another goal or to dream a new dream. Isn't that awesome? Every single one of them are well known for doing something on this earth that made a lasting impact. And then Jesus... What did Jesus do with his life? He never gave up on you and I. He went to the cross for you and for me. And he fought that fight even when it came to the point of pouring out his own blood for us. And he never stopped. Because at the end, he knows who will win. And you know when Jesus was hanging on the cross, it looked like he was defeated. It looked like it was the end of the story. And if you're in any point in your life right now where you have that feeling like it is the end of the story or you are, you are really tempted to give up on someone or something, I just want to tell you that that dirt, those failures, those mistakes, and the time of just waiting on God will really produce a miracle in that situation. And it isn't dead yet. Would you stand with me this morning? And would you mind closing your eyes for just a moment? I want to pray for everybody. And I just, I've never preached this message before, and he gave it to me specifically and said, preach it at Living Waters. And here we are this morning. I just want you to, to close your eyes, and I want you to, to actually begin to think about two things. Number one, the dirt in your life. And I'm not going to embarrass you or ask, pass a microphone around and ask you to tell everyone the dirt. You know the dirt. God knows the dirt. I'm asking you to just talk to him about it privately in this moment.
openly and honestly because why do we come to church if not to have God do surgery on our heart? To show us things we need Him to see in us. But just look at those areas of weakness in your life that you're not proud of, specifically that you are not proud of. And then I want you to think about about the breath of God. And when you pass those things of dirt and pain over to God, and just let Him give you a picture right now in your mind. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to show you a picture of hope for that situation. Right now, Holy Spirit, I ask you to show each and every person a picture of hope and of life right now in that situation. Show them a different way. Show them an answer. Give them a hope, Heavenly Father, right now I ask you that every single man and woman here, every single child that is offering up something to you will see the way, see it the way that you see it, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And secondly, I ask you to to think of a very difficult situation in your life that you've been discouraged in, particularly. Discouraged in waiting. Waiting for the change or waiting for the person or waiting for the answer. An area of discouragement. And here we are in a new year and nothing seems exciting about 2020 for you in this area. It just seems like something people do. They get excited about a new year. Great, it's just a Monday. It's just a Tuesday. It's just a Wednesday. That area... That area that the enemy has used to discourage you, to beat you up in, to push you down over and over and over again, I want you to take that area and I want you in your heart to offer that area up to God. Offer the area up to God right now in your mind and in your heart. Say the name of the person to God. Say, Speak to him honestly about that area. And as you do so, I'm going to pray. And I ask you, Jesus, right now, right now, to do a miracle in every person's heart. I ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to once again breathe life into the disappointment. Jesus, to flood through every man, woman, and child. To give them hope again, to give them life again, to give them revelation again, to give them strength again. That they can stand when others are falling that they will keep going when others have given up, that they will become a safe place for others to come back to who are lost and who say, I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it, I couldn't do it, but I thought of you. I thought maybe you hadn't given up yet. I thought maybe you'll just be doing the same old thing still, praying, believing God, praying, believing God, and I've come back because I knew you wouldn't give up. May the men and women of Living Waters Church be those type of men and women who are known for being, for not quitting, who are known for those who just persistently go forward one step after the other, after the other, after the other. May you all reach times when you are running and running and running and harvesting and running and harvesting and running and harvesting. And in the times when it's a lot slower and when it feels a lot drier and when the ground doesn't seem to yield any fruit, may you have the strength to continue one foot in front of the other, one step in front of the other until you reach a time again of blessing and harvest and may you never give up and I pray right now I just feel a massive need in the room a massive need in the room for relational healing a massive need for relationships to be healed and touched by the Father everyone's eyes are closed I can only see you but I just want to know who I'm praying for if you raise your hand if you're believing God for a miracle in a relationship in your life I see those hands, 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 a lot of hands. That's a lot of people. Right now, where you're at, I'm going to pray for you. I just ask you, God, right now, you see every one of these hands, you see every one of these people right now in the name of Jesus, God, would you pour hope back into that situation? Pour life back into that situation. 
Holy Spirit, breathe into the dirt, breathe into the weakness, breathe into the failures, and bring life again. Make them strong and powerful. Make them wise in the areas where they lack it. Make them, who make them run and not grow weary. Give them supernatural strength to keep fighting the battle. Give them supernatural strength in body, spirit, soul to wage the war that's before them. Give them supernatural ability to fight the addictions, to beat them, to fight the bad habits and overcome them. Give them the supernatural power to obey your word when you speak it. And right now, for every person, I ask that you give them a new perspective about themselves. That when they look in the mirror, they will not see themselves in all the ways they failed. That they will be humble enough to be broken, surrendered, and then multiplied. I'm getting it right now. Just as Jesus broke the bread and broke the fish and asked God to multiply the offering, that if you will give your life to Jesus right now and allow him to break those areas of your life and areas of your heart, he will end up multiplying you in the areas where you lacked the most before. This is a word from the Lord for you this morning. You should receive it if you need it. That God is wanting to take that area of brokenness and pain, that area of weakness, that area of insufficiency is exactly the word the Holy Spirit is speaking. And he wants to break the insufficiency but you have to give it humbly first. The little boy who came with the loaves of bread and with the fish knew that it was not enough to feed 5,000, but he gave the offering anyway. This morning, offer up to God the thing that is insufficient in yourself. And Jesus is saying, I want to break it, breathe on it, and watch it multiply. Multiply and feed many. And this morning, God, we give you all of these things, and we praise you so much, God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your power. And I just speak over everyone in this room that we will see miracles at this church because you are not a lazy God. You are working on behalf of everyone. We trust you, and we believe you for these things. And I ask you, God, to just breathe hope once again into every person's life this morning. In the name of Jesus, we give you the glory. We praise you and we thank you for all these things, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You're up. If you, um, you know, this morning, if you, you may be seated. You may be seated. There was just, I, I was originally going to do a call up, walk, do, and lay hands on everybody, but I really, there was a lot of people. There was a lot of people, and I just knew God was already working. He was doing what he's doing. You know, this morning, right, as I pass it over to Pastor Robert, who, by the way, is, and he's not a quitter. And he's had a lot of reasons to quit. And I've known him 30-something years, and 30-something years I've watched him doing the same thing. Not the same thing in that negative way, like people are like, you can never see change if you just do the same thing. Not that kind of same thing. I've watched him do the same thing of believing God for you. That's what I've watched him do. And believing God for us and believing God for our children now and believing God for our new children, that whole announcement. <laughs> believing God for every step of this journey. And you have an amazing pastor who believes God for you all the time. And um, I just want to say that this word, I really believe it's uniquely for you this morning, dirt in time, right? And I just pray that as you go through this new year and you begin 2020, that you will make changes, those changes that the Holy Spirit wants you to make, not out of your own strength, but out of the humility that comes with surrender. And surrender literally means delivering up something to someone else, just releasing it to Jesus, because I really believe that I'm going to hear from him and from her the amazing testimonies coming out of this church, because you're on the other side of that thing. Amen. God bless you, and thank you for everything you do for Cousin Angelina. Thank you for everything you do. You will enable us to not quit <laughs> by continuing to support us, continuing to support the children. The widow's program is out of control three days ago. three I just came from Guatemala last night. I left the orphanage at 4.30 in the morning to fly here and get here. And 
when, and I just two days before that was with a widow that we found who's 101 years old and walk in and, you know, she doesn't have teeth. So she's like masticando. What's that word? And yeah, but with her gums, tortillas, you know, and, and just drinking her soup and doing her tortillas. And we went for a little walk and I was like, I'm walking with a 101 year old woman who just loves Jesus. She has no home. She has nothing. We're going to take care of her now until the day that she goes to be with Jesus. But she just loves Jesus. And when I talk to her, all, it's just like she, all she, I'm telling you, the widows are amazing because when you spend time with them and they've suffered so long, I mean, one of them has six broken fingers. They were never fixed when she was a child. So she only has four workable fingers for decades for decades. And she talks about how good God is and how faithful he's been to her in her life. And she has these six fingers just hang. What is that? We have so far to go, I believe, in just believing God and trusting God and saying, okay, here's the dirt and I'll wait on your time and let's do this. But at the end, if you do it, you win. You win. And, and that'll be the end of the story. And you'll, you'll be a testimony for the whole world to see. So we love you and thank you. And I pass it over. Amen. Praise God. It's like when we were drilling the well for the, the widow and, and we really needed to work on Sunday and uh, to, to finish it. And she comes out there and so she starts, starts kind of like rubbing her brow and, and y'all aren't going to work tomorrow, right? Sunday and... Andrew said, well, we might need to. Well, it's not good. It's not good to do. So she, she schools us there, tells us don't show up. So I told him, I said, let's don't go. Let's go. We'll do what we know to do, but we're just trying to push. So anyway, praise the Lord. Amen. It's so beautiful to see all the widows in the church and all the, all the food and all that. I didn't even know that had taken place. Praise God. Got to use the vans to bring them all up there. So praise God. That was just amazing. So y'all are an amazing church, but let's bless them this morning. Let's take up another offering for them and bless them this morning and, and so. Now, I know this year, when that's why I'm so glad they're here. We get to spend the day today and, and visit about some big thing we can do again this year And uh, because I'm never going to just stop and say, oh, well, we did that and let's go. we've got to keep going. Amen? Amen. So get your offerings, put your hand on your offering envelope. Lord, I just thank you this morning that we have a great ability to bless this great work that you're doing. Lord, not only the word that's being sown that blesses our hearts, but Lord, that we know that these widows are being blessed and children are being blessed and lives are being changed and children are growing up and getting married and glorious things are happening and carrying on. And we get to be a part of it by sowing into it, Lord. Lord, even though we may, some of us may never go there, but Lord, I thank you the dollars that we send has eternal effects that alter and change everything that goes on in our destiny and theirs. And so, Lord, bless these hands that give. Bless them, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Praise God. Yeah, that is so sweet, man. That is so sweet. See them all out there eating in the church, all those little widows. That is amazing. Man, so glad you shared that picture with us of what they're doing. And we ought to see something. Maybe we need to get into some of the research development or something. We're doing these widows, a hundred and you know, two-year-old widow. We need to get DNA samples and then we can figure out why she's so healthy and how did she live that long? Holy cow. We'll start our own research facility of how to make age write books. You can write books. This is what you need to do. Gumma tortilla after 80 or something, you know. <laughs> Whatever it is, is the, the secret to longevity. We can sell that off on the side. It'll be glorious. You know, it's amazing because it, it, for the real, I mean, literally for her to live that long, surrounded by death and destruction, just eat something wrong, whatever, you know, all the craziness that's down there. And so praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Well, stand to your feet. Look at that person beside you and say, I am so glad I came. And grab that person's hand beside you. Now, Father, I just thank you for this crowd, this congregation, these amazing people. I thank you, Lord God, that we are dirt and we're time, but I thank you, Lord, that we are the people that are going to be consistent. The one thing I've always said, Lord, about these people that's so awesome is they are hard-headed. And, Lord, we're going to use that hard-headedness to be an advantage, to keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep going on.
So bless them, Lord. Bless this message. That just seal it within their hearts so that, Lord, we'll continue to see the miracles take place in our lives. And, Lord, we give you all the praise for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you, church. Hello, this is Robert Richards, and you're listening to The Waterhole, our weekly broadcast, which is now available on iTunes and all major podcast platforms. You can also watch the weekly video broadcast on our YouTube channel. Link's in the description. I pray this has been a blessing to you, and if you've enjoyed this message, please share this with a friend. God bless you, and remember, no matter where you are and what you've done, Jesus loves you.